attention, please. Stop walking while I'm squawking. All aboard. Hi, everybody. And hello, hello, hello. What? Who is that? Oh, my God. Dana, hey, can you hear me? I can't hear. Can you hear me? I can't hear you. I I can hear you, Kim. Okay. I can I, hear you. I'm so sorry. The crowd here is going wild, and it's really hard to hear right now. They're giving me a standing ovation. Everybody, please, we want to record. Please, please be seated. So I'm going to do my best to power through. I apologize. Sorry. They're very loud and excited. I'm here. I didn't know you were going to bring an entire audience yet again to Gen D. I always do, per their request. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, folks, Happy New Year. It's 2024, and you can see that I have a temporary co-host because Adam is off and running. He's literally doing the Dopey Challenge, which is the, like, 5K, 10K, I think a 10-miler a half mile or a half marathon and a full marathon. It all sounds horrible. Um, <laughs> but that is what he's doing. He's over at Disney World for nine days with his family doing what they call the dopey challenge. Cause I think you're gotta be a little dopey to do this challenge. So we're excited for him. I can't wait to hear all about it. And I know we'll have a lot to share about his trip. And I think he's going to bring on one of his colleagues to talk a little bit about the run Disney experience. So Be on the lookout for that. But in the meantime, I decided to bring on fan favorite Kim Moffat back to the podcast. Yay! Cheers, cheers, cheers. Clap, clap, clap. Wow, wow. Standing ovation again. (laughs) I'm (laughs) so sorry. Please don't regret this. (laughs) I am already immediately regretting this. Um, Sure, and I think that's fair. Yeah, I know. Uh, But no, thank you, Kim. I am so grateful for her. She, I asked her kind of last minute if she could come in and pinch hit remember we had this pinch or pitch and pinch, we looked it up and pinch. pinch i mean it, you're in a pinch. pinch yeah we looked it up last time you were on and we didn't know yeah pinch hit for this episode so thank you today it's going to be a news episode there's a lot of news that has come out really since the last time you guys heard from us which was mid-december so we're going to go through a little bit of news over at disney world and disneyland and some general news with just the disney corporation that's going on and then kim I have a vault just for you. I'm very excited about this vault. I am too. This is one that's been a long time coming and it's really only meant for you, I think, because only you and I like this. Um, And it's not great (laughs) moments with Mr. Lincoln because you and I also (laughs) only like that. And I did that one last time for you. Well, now I really don't know what the vault is. Oh, I'm now. I mean, I was excited. That wasn't a lie, but now I'm more excited. Right. Yeah. Well, do you remember I did the great moments with Mr. Lincoln one with you? I do. It was, yeah, it was great. Yeah. So it's not that one. It was a great moment. With Mr. Lincoln. With hey. Mr. Mrs. Moffat. Miss Moffat. Let's oh. just, I think we just power through and continue okay. on with the news. Yeah. I think that's okay. probably the That move. sounds good. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, then let's get into the news, folks. All started off, we're going to stay on the East Coast to begin with. This is exciting. This is a travel agent exciting <laughs> news piece. Over at Disney World, the free Disney dining plan is returning to Walt Disney World this summer, starting January 3rd. So that's today when we're recording this. You can now make a vacation package that can be uh, a free dining plan with a four-night, four-day Walt Disney vacation package. But you do need to pick the park hopper option in order to get the free dining for everybody in your party. Now, the big caveat here is that you have to be a Disney Plus subscriber in order to qualify for this. So this is the best (laughs) time probably than ever to sign up for Disney Plus. So if you already are a Disney Plus subscriber, then good on ya. If you're working with a travel agent, they can work via your Disney Plus subscription and get you that amazing discount. But free dining plans rarely ever happen, especially in the last years. It's dwindled down to just a few weeks. And the fact that they're bringing it back for such a long period of time, which is July 1st through September 30th, is wild. So I'm excited about that. If you're planning a summer trip, this is something you should definitely take advantage of. It's already going to be sweaty and crowded over there at Disney World. So you might as well get some free food out of it. That's wild. Just for a Disney Plus membership or a subscription. Wow. uh, Are they hurting that bad for subscribers on Disney Plus? 
Well, one would think so at this point when they're when they're dropping such a long window of time for free dining for your whole party. And I just want to be clear, free dining, that is like saving a family like over a thousand dollars. Like, Kim, you and I and our friend Sierra went to Disney World last year or a year and a half ago. Yeah. And it was so much money that you spend on the dining. So just think about yeah. that being free. That's a that's a significant savings. Yeah. Highly recommend taking advantage yeah. of that deal. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the uh, big free dining option. Uh, remember those dates, July 1st to September 30th. And, you know, you can reach out to me if you want a price quote and get a sense of how much it would cost. Highly recommend doing that as well. Dana, I also have some news. Okay. This is my own personal news to break here on the air. Nobody's heard this yet. Okay. As of January 9th, park reservations, this is also Disney World, park reservations and park hopping hour restrictions are done. This was started when the parks reopened after COVID and they're still here at Disneyland, but at Disney World, that is all done, which is the best because park reservations, so annoying. Park hopping restrictions, absolutely pointless. So the fact that Disney World is uh, done with this starting on the 9th is awesome. I'm very jealous of them. You know, it's funny. Adam is there right now, as I said earlier, and he leaves on the 9th. And I think that's when the marathon stuff is all done. So I think they did this intentionally because they knew so many people were coming in for the marathon that they didn't just start the 1st of January with no no park hopping and, and no restrictions anymore. They're waiting until the marathoners are gone, I think. Dang, little sneaky sneaky. Oh, poor Adam. I know. I know. So he's still having to make reservations like a chump. Yeah, haha, and he's got to run. <laughs> that is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. No, I just want to know when these are going to be done out here on the West Coast. I'm so annoyed by the fact that we've now known for several months that they're going away at Disney World. Yeah. How come they aren't going away at Disneyland? I don't know. They're pointless. And we talk about this all the time because at Disneyland, when it's time to switch, people line up outside of each park to switch. So now you've got... All these people that are in the middle of the two parks, they're not inside, they're not spending money, they're not doing any of that. They're just standing around waiting. That seems like the worst possible thing that you could want to have happen. I know. It's better that they moved it up to 11 a.m. out here on this coast, but it's still like, just get rid of it entirely. Like, if your park opens at 9, it's just a couple of hours that you're restricting people. That seems really stupid. Yeah. Can I say stupid? I guess no. I can say stupid. Well, not to it's me. It's my podcast. Oh, well, sorry. You're not stupid, Kim. Can That's I say other words? Reservation is. Yeah? I think so. No, never mind. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we have news to break one of these days soon about Disneyland losing those. I hope so. Okay, staying over at Disney World at Hollywood Studios, it's been announced that the Voyage of the Little Mermaid show, which has been dark since the 2020 pandemic shutdown, is never going to return. Aw, man! I know. Instead, they are reimagining it to be a whole new show that's still the Little Mermaid. So we're keeping with the Little Mermaid theme, but we're getting, they're not saying this is like a refresh of it. They're saying it's going to be a whole new show with a new title and everything. It's going to be called The Little Mermaid, A Musical Adventure. Um, And it's set to open in late 2024. Really busted some brain cells with that title, huh? I know. You obviously didn't get to see this show, Kim, because it wasn't open when we went. But the show has been around since 1992, so just a few years after the park opened. And it never had a change. It's always remained the same show. And it was cute, very dated. Even when I worked there, I thought it was kind of dated. But it was like a 20-minute live show, kind of how Disney does those little faux Broadway-style shows a lot. Yeah. Same same style, and it was like three or four big song and dance numbers from The Little Mermaid, and the Under the Sea was really cool because they turned on, like, black lights, and they had people come out with puppets, like, on a, like a long stick, and so they would, like, marionette cool. puppet style the fish, and that was really cool. And then that was kind of it. That was a cool thing, and the rest of it was kind of lame. I think Adam maybe said this on the podcast, or maybe he just told this to me off-air, but... He had heard a rumor that they never reopened the building because there was, like, mold or asbestos or something going on in the building. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I hope that's what they're fixing above anything else. Yeah. (laughs) I hope so, too. That's terrible. 
<laughs> when will it open? They don't have a set date, but late 2024. So. Okay. Maybe. Oh, I guess. Should we break this news? That we are maybe, but not confirmed, but probably going to Disney World at the end of 2024. You mean Sierra and Carly? I'm confirmed. You're confirmed. Hard confirmation coming in right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going. So maybe this will be open by that point. I'm so excited. Me too. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Disney World, since you brought up Disney World, the Epcot's future world transformation after four years and a ton of construction, a ton of stanchions, Preventing you from being able to go easily around (laughs) Epcot is finally done. So that's open now. No more stanchions. Moana's Journey of Water has opened. People are into that. On December 5th, Epcot unveiled the uh, Walt the Dreamer statue. Mm -hmm. Seen some people on the website TikTok.com that are there. They seem excited about it. These are, you know, I don't know much more than that. But <laughs> how do you feel? We want to know if you're excited about the Walt the Dreamer statue. Oh, Dana, I'm thrilled. <laughs> He's wearing a hat in it, I believe. And, you know, these are these are things that are happening. <laughs> I have to now look. He, I confirmed he is not wearing a hat in the Walt the Dreamer Forget statue. Forget it. I'm unconfirmed <laughs> for the Disney World trip. I'll go. I only want to see him in a hat. I'll bring a hat for him. Bring a hat. I don't like that. You know what? We have a Walt statue over at California Adventure, and I think he's wearing a hat there because it's like the 1920s Walt. Maybe that's what I'm picturing. Yeah. Well, he's also sitting at California Adventure, and he's sitting also at Epcot. So maybe you're mixing them up in your head. But this well, I'm going to bring him a hat late, because he needs it. Late stage Walt. This is towards the end. This is his, I'm imagining what Epcot could be, Walt. Oh, well, that's sad. I know. All it's right. not, I'm a young pup. Here in Los Angeles, going to go make a little mouse named Mickey statue. <laughs> I, want, I want a talking one now. That's just you doing those <laughs> motions. I'm excited about this because the stanchions are down. Yeah. I don't know what plans were dashed. I don't know what we lost in that. But I'm excited to uh, to see Epcot to its full glory next time we go. Because it was all kind of cut off when we were there. I was going to ask, do you really remember that? And did it bother you? It's all I remember from the trip. So, wow. yeah. And I, 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 I was highly, yeah, that's it. And I was highly bothered. That is concerning for me, <laughs> the person who planned the whole trip, that all you remember were the stanchions <laughs> at Epcot. We talked about them a lot. We did talk about them a lot. Yeah. They were annoying. They yeah. were annoying. Oh. Yes. They were very annoying. And remember we come in on the monorail and you could just see like the beautiful world showcase and then the big Epcot ball and then just all the like construction in the center from that purview. Yeah, I do remember that. So I'm yeah. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it fully unveiled for the first time. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, moving over to Disneyland. Pixar Fest is returning to Disneyland this spring and summer from April 26th to August 4th. There will be a new nighttime fireworks show at the Dis- at Disneyland called Together Forever, which will celebrate friendship through the eyes of the Pixar movies. Cute. This was around last year. I don't think I saw it. I don't think I even knew Pixar Fest was a thing. I missed it entirely, but so did I this apparently. Is, yeah, it's coming back again. So, um I I feel like most of California Adventure is just in general Pixar Fest, like everything is pretty Pixar over there, so Yeah. I don't know. I missed all of that, but they are going to have this new fireworks show. It's not new. Sorry. It happened last year, but I think they're adding a few new songs and a few new like screenshots into it, which will be cool. They are also adding a huge sculpture featuring Pixar characters that will be at the center of Main Street. You know, the same spot where they put the Christmas tree or the Mickey pumpkin everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. This coming year, there will be a big Pixar Fest sculpture symbol there. So why at Disneyland? (laughs) Did you just give yourself a thumbs up on the screen? Oh, you know what? Yes, because I'm using my phone as the camera and it can do that. You want to also see this? Yeah. Hold on. <gasps> fireworks like yeah. the Pixar together yeah. forever show at Disneyland that's Just why happened. I did that <laughs> wow I had no idea the, the technology so great why why two thumbs up gives you fireworks who knows two what? rock and roll fingers give you lasers though so oh yeah they do yeah. So this things weird. are going well 
<laughs> Did you set these up yourself or is this no. just a feature? No, I, it's just a feature of the of FaceTime. <laughs> Kim, now that is a very fair question of mine. Like that is something I could see you spending several minutes, if not a full hour of your life, figuring out how to like, if giving the rock symbol would create lasers behind you, I could see you doing that. I'm here to give you fun things. I'm here for like the prop hearts. comedy. Yeah, for hearts, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You are giving a lot of prop comedy right now. Uh, I do what I can. It's good to have visuals for an audio-only medium. Uh-huh. Yeah, of course, <laughs> naturally. <laughs> um, also over at California Adventure, they are bringing a, now this is new, a Pixar Pals celebration uh, parade that will be going during the same duration, April 26th through August 4th. It will have all of our favorite Pixar characters, including some new ones from Turning Red and Elemental. So if you're visiting this spring and summer, you're going to see Pixar Fest, which I think is going to feel pretty much like just normal. But yeah, they're going to celebrate a little bit more of Pixar. I think I'm just it, it's odd to me that it's going to be at Disneyland as well. Yeah, because I don't think there's any Pixar at Disneyland. Right. There's um, Buzz Lightyear. There's the Buzz Lightyear ride in Tomorrowland. Oh, that's right. The faint the, that and that's our go to. I'm always like, let's ride that. <laughs> yeah it's your favorite yeah i think is that it i think that's it for pixar character stuff at disneyland everything else is at california yeah i think so huh. well speaking of disneyland classic disneyland things like pixar the haunted mansion do you know have you do you know about the haunted mansion mm-hmm. it's pretty cool i'm aware <laughs> i am actually excited and very bummed about this i'm excited for what they're gonna end up doing to haunted mansion I'm excited to see it, but it will be going dark on January 22nd, and it is not expected to open until 2025. It's possible because they're doing a huge refurbishment. So the last time that you could see it this year will be Haunted Mansion Holidays, which is fine, but a bummer yeah. for it going away for that long. I would like to see a classic Haunted Mansion. I know. I know. We're not going to. We're not going to until likely 2025, which is pretty wild. How big of a refurbishment could this possibly be that it's going to take that long? It's pretty big. So they are doing a whole new queue section. They're expanding that. And then they're also making a Haunted Mansion themed gift shop on the outside. I think it's going to be like where they, I think there's like a churro stand. Remember, remember on the hottest day? In the universe, when we oh my god, we had those awful churros. And we ate those terrible churros. They were like pear flavored and spicy cherry. (laughs) I think that's what they were: pear and spicy cherry. Who? Why did we say we wanted those? I wanted them. I wanted to try them, and I regret everything. These are the things that Dana does for this show. She does this for you guys. I did it for you. I did, and they were terrible. And I mentioned (laughs) it on the Instagram. A year plus ago. Uh, but yeah. anyhow, that day, that hot day where we sat, I think that's where the gift shop's going to go. That general area. Okay. So there's that. All I, right. I don't know what else they're doing for the ride itself. Did you hear that they're putting in the Hatbox Ghost over in Disney World's Haunted Mansion? Ooh, no, I had not. Good. So now yeah. the ride actually makes sense. <laughs> Wait, what? I don't know. Did it not before? No, I know. It makes sense. I mean, well, it makes sense, but I feel like the Hatbox Ghost like needs to be there. It ties the room together. I guess so, but they don't have an attic, so I don't know where the hatbox ghost is. Oh, I think he's going in the very front, like by the the stretching room, you know, the or the infinity room, like we have. Yeah, I think that's where they're going to put the hatbox ghost, which feels a little odd, but yeah, maybe it'll work. Mm. They have that super cool upside down staircase room that I think is always cool. Oh yeah, that's right. That was really cool. I think. Don't quote me on this, but I, I think that might be where they take your picture on the ride where we got. <laughs> Tiny chef, <laughs> little tiny hands chef hands. from Kim. No, that's not where they take the picture. Where do they take the picture? They take the picture, and I know this because I realized it on the second one, and still looked dumbfounded by the ride. They take the picture in the beginning. All those blacklight photos are they blacklight yeah. photos that we also have in California at Disneyland? Yeah, the picture is of me being dumbfounded by something I've seen a million times. It's you are no, you're not dumbfounded. You're looking up with wonder and your mouth is slightly agape. So you look a little confused. Well, sure. So 
and your hands are tightly clasped together in a folded position like a prayer or like the tiny sh- uh, little chef, not tiny chef, little chef from Ratatouille, as we called you the whole rest yeah. of the trip. Yeah, I just was excited to be there. <laughs> we'll just call this back again, but it lives on in our memories always uh, in our friend group and we talk about it often. But Kim did that unintentionally and then unintentionally did it again like 70 more times on this vacation because they take your picture on every single ride at Disney World. And so Kim, like we are on the frozen ride when it drops down and you're you're not holding your hands like that, but you still have that same wonderment mouth agape face happening. No, in no. In all of them. In the frozen ride, I'm protecting you guys. I'm keeping an eye on the ride. <laughs> At that moment, I had looked back to see where the track splits. Then I was just looking. Then I'm 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 on guard for you all. You're welcome, by the uh-huh. way, for getting through that ride safely, everyone. You're welcome, world. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll do a series again of of Kim's uh, little chef hands so just everybody some, can see that. Just those. so if excited to be there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Okay. Uh, the Lunar New Year is returning to California Adventure January 23rd through February 18th. So here in just a couple of weeks, we'll have Lunar New Year. It's the Year of the Dragon, which Ooh. is exciting. Kim, what are you? What What animal are you? A rat, I believe. Oh, tiny chef or little chef. Yeah. It <laughs> makes sense, you, actually. You are ratatouille. <laughs> I am ratatouille. Oh, because he's a rat. There you go. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rakakuni. Ratatouille. Um, yeah, I think I'm a rat. Okay. I am a tiger. I'm a tiger. <laughs> but back to Lunar New Year, it's going to be the same stuff that they do typically every year. They're going to have the Mulan procession that goes down kind of the hollywood section it's always very cute they will be bringing back some food booths and i believe the paradise garden grill is going to be transformed into just lunar new year foods and treats oh a couple of the things i wanted to mention that are going to be joining this year there's some good looking stuff they do a great job for lunar new year over there oh yeah yeah. It's always really cool. This isn't an, an unpopular opinion, but it's my opinion. I think I like the food booths at Lunar New Year more than the food booths at Food and Wine Festival, which is the next one that'll be happening this winter and spring. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, well, they have, this is coming back from last year over at the food kiosk Bamboo Blessings. They have a Mickey-shaped hot dog bun, which is a brioche-style Mickey-shaped <laughs> bun stuffed with hot dog chunks and finished with sesame seed and scallions. You just have to see this picture. Can you see that? <laughs> it looks like very it, silly. <laughs> it looks so silly with like five little hot dog nibbles poking out but it looks ridiculous (laughs) they have some new breweries coming from three weavers stereo brewing company and young master brewing so you can get a flight over there also at the same bamboo blessings Um. the lucky eight lantern has a very interested in this one a quesabiria egg roll with peppers filled with oaxaca cheese beef birria and a side of pepper consomme consomme Consume. Consume is. But anyhow, that sounds very Mexican with a hint of Asian. And so I'm very intrigued. I love that. Me too. But you can't eat it because it has got meat in it. Well, I was gonna, but I'm not allowed to apparently. So you heard it here, folks. Um, (laughs) They also have a coconut lavender matcha foamed iced coffee. Ooh, I Uh, would try that. Yeah. Coconut milk, coconut cream, a white chocolate sauce garnished with lavender matcha, coconut foam, sea salt, and a purple sand sugar. I don't have a picture of it, but I got an image. It sounds great. They did lose me at white chocolate. Oh, you're not a white chocolate gal? No. Oh, you're missing out. I love white chocolate. It's a little too sweet for me. I'm like white chocolate. And I know that it's not actual chocolate, but white chocolate and chocolate, neither of those things are really that appealing to me. Well, maybe this will appeal to you. They have a gochugang ilote coming out. It's yep. steamed corn on the cob rolled with gochugang aioli and a cotija cheese drizzled with the spicy gochugang sauce all over yeah. it. And it looks amazing. See Big time appealing. This picture. It's this one in the corner. Uh, yeah, I, w- I want that. I want that. Yeah, me too. Me too. That looks great. That's over at the Red Dragon Spice Traders kiosk. They also, ooh, this sounds like right up your alley. 
the guava ginger whiskey cocktail. Ooh. A whiskey ginger liqueur, guava nectar, coconut cream, and lime juice garnished with a lime wheel. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. That sounds really good. I want five. A couple last things that they've got. These are all new stuff that I'm mentioning. They've got the pork and shrimp wontons with black garlic sauce over at the Wrapped in Love booth. They also have a bok choy and mushroom dumpling with black garlic sauce. That's plant-based. And then they also have a couple more cocktails. I think all of them sound extremely sweet. So, of course, Sierra Jones will love them. One is a (laughs) pineapple baju cocktail. It's dark rum baju. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. Allspice, dram, pineapple, orange juice, and a phalerum syrup. I don't even know what that is. F-A-L-E-R-N-U-M, phalerum syrup. I don't know. No. (laughs) It's a no for me still. This one, though, really sounds like it's perfect for Sierra. A grapefruit melon wine cocktail. (laughs) Savion Blanc, grapefruit liqueur, watermelon puree, rock melon syrup, and lime juice garnished with a skewered grape. I would try it. I'd have a sip of hers. It sounds so sweet. I'd have a sip of hers. The picture has a big old like flower on top. It looks so sweet. Let me see. It looks pretty sweet. It looks pretty sweet. I would still take a sip. I wouldn't buy it, but I would take a sip. Okay, I'll I'll take that. Now, the last one I'm going to mention is the Prosperity Bow and Bun booth, which Mm. I love a bow bun. I'm very interested in these. I got to try all of these. The new one this year is a pepperoni pizza bow bun served with marinara sauce. It's probably going to be either really great or absolutely terrible. There's going to be no middle ground with this one. (laughs) I bet it's awesome. I hope so. Yeah. Then there is a... Char Siu barbecue pork bao with pickled red onion and jalapeno. That sounds great. Ah. And that's it for the bows. So, so sorry, friend. They are all have meat in them this year. Nothing for Kim. Oh, here's another one for, this is a non-alcoholic cocktail. They have a soju peach yuja ade. I don't know what that is. So it's got, which soju, um, lemongrass puree, dragon fruit, and peach syrups. Lemon, more lemon juice <laughs> in there, um, and butterfly pea flour garnished with a lemon wheel. Sounds unique. Sounds lemony. Yep. Oh, I'm not done. <laughs> Last year, oh. the boardwalk pizza and pasta. Looks like they have a surf and turf fried rice. They've got sesame seed donuts, which look really cool. Mm. It's a maple glazed donut topped with sesame seed brittle and served with a kaya jam dipping sauce. Ooh. Yeah, that sounds nice. That- that sounds really good. I don't know if you can see it. It's right here. I want that. They look so, uh, there's so many in the box. Are they small, do we think? They've got to be. They look really tiny. Like, okay. yeah, like a half a size of a regular donut. Okay. I'm into that. All right. So that's Lunar New Year for you. I'm, I'm hungry already looking at this list. It sounds all very good. But let's talk about the real reason that people tune in to the show. The reason that people paid, honestly, I, I'm hearing thousands of dollars to be in the live audience. I don't know. I thousands. can't confirm. I can't confirm. Wow. That's yeah. pretty great. They're likening it to um, the Taylor Swift era's tour as far as like scalping goes. Whoa. Is yeah. there merch? Are they selling merch this this go around? They don't know this yet, but we are out of merch. Oh, no. So obviously I'm going to be let out the back door and they're going to kind of like usher me out secretly so no one will know. But I'm really nervous. And we're gonna have to, I'm going to have to just leave as soon as this recording is done because I don't want them to catch up to me. I understand. I totally understand. And they won't hear this until after the fact. So that's good. That's good. Yes, because it's a live show, but they can't hear anything <laughs> oh, yeah. that's happening right now. We've turned off all uh, audio <laughs> for them. So they're just watching me do gestures. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if they can see your screen, they're getting to see fireworks when you do. Uh, yeah, they're they're seeing the lasers. They're seeing the fireworks. None of them are working right now. And the hearts. So, they're seeing the hearts. None of it's working right now, but it's great. No. Oh, there we go. Oh, um, the hearts went. No, no, no. Here, here, here's the real reason that people tune into the show, which is copyright law conversation. It's the reason I wake up in the morning. <laughs> I actually uh, am very interested in this. So as of January 2nd, 2024, Mickey Mouse of Disney fame. Uh Uh-huh. I'm familiar. You've heard of him? I have heard. Mm -hmm. He's just a little guy. He has officially entered the public domain. 
the lore was that copyright law is as old as Mickey Mouse is. <laughs> That's always like. Would you say it's tale as old as time? I sure wouldn't. Oh, I'm just kidding. That was really good. That was great. (laughs) Um, So for the last nine to five years, uh, Mickey Mouse was obviously copywritten by the Disney company with the opening uh, sequence of Steamboat Willie. Uh He was riding a boat, perhaps you recall. Uh And he went, choo-choo. Yep. And so (laughs) including that noise, copywritten. And Disney has obviously long wanted to keep that copyright on him because... That's a very valuable asset to have at your company. And it was meant to expire in 1984. Uh They did not want to have that happen. Lawmakers agreed. In 1976, the law was changed to allow owners to retain copyright protections for not just for Disney in general, for the duration of the life of the author, plus 50 years. Then when that time came... 1998, Disney once again lobbied to uh, extend copyright protection for the life of the author plus 70 years for a max of 95 years. Wow. And so now it didn't get extended again. I'm sure they fought very I'm hard. Sure for it. Oh, I'm, I'm sure, sure, sure they tried. Oh, I'm sure they tried very really. hard. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, he's, it's my understanding. And Dana, you'll obviously tell me if I'm wrong, but obviously, obviously that this is specifically the Steamboat Willie style of Mickey. Oh, I thought it was just all Mickey. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is only Steamboat, Steam, Steamboat, Steamboat Willie. I don't totally know. I'm not going to look it up. In January, the copyright of Steamboat Willie officially expired. This means now that anyone in the U.S. can use the Steamboat Willie version of the of the Steamboat Willie version yes, yes, yes. of the Mickey Mouse character without fear of copyright infringement. So you are right. I hate telling you that. I love it. I love it. I'm gonna ride this high for weeks, maybe months, maybe years. Okay. Anyway, it's interesting. It's interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Copyright law. As told by Kim. I remember when I worked at the opposite of ABC, but another three-lettered network (laughs) that started with an N. Good luck guessing. And I remember we had to go through, I don't know, not a C or a B or an S, but (laughs) a different one. We had to go through, like, IP training from the legal teams, and they would use the Mickey Mouse examples. They would tell us that history every single year. Like, same thing they'd make us do with, like, HR. you go through, like, the harassment, (laughs) workplace harassment. You'd also have to sit through at these big corporations the IP training and what you can and cannot say legally on television and not legally. And it was a great time, but they always (laughs) used the Disney, I guess it was Steamboat Willie example. Yeah. And they always talked about how it had been pushed back, kicked back so many times because they had lobbied for change. So that's pretty wild. But didn't also Winnie the Pooh come up as public domain like a year ago as well? And I don't think things have been that crazy for Winnie the Pooh. I don't know. Because it would, Winnie the Pooh would have, oh no, Winnie the Pooh would have come before. So it's possible. Pooh, Piglet, Kangaroo, Al, ER, and Christopher Robin all became public domain on January 1st of 2022. Oh. He's been public domain for a while. I should try and see if I can self-publish all my Winnie the Pooh fanfic. Yeah. Because then I won't get in trouble. People are loving it. They won't. Yeah, all of your audience, that's how you've garnered your population. Your Yeah, that's how my whole career started is I was writing Winnie the Pooh fanfic and people were like clamoring for it. It was very surprising. I bet. Yeah. Is it great. like fun or is it like dark? What can you it's, give us a snippet? It it all is like mashups. So it's like canonically, it's Winnie the Pooh. So all of that stands, but then if Winnie the Pooh was in modern day. So it, it sometimes can be a little dark. The Winnie the Pooh during COVID was tough. I, I don't know. I highly recommend you go read that stuff. Just search. Just, just search Kim Moffat, Winnie the Pooh fan fiction. <laughs> and and you'll uh you'll be moved. Well, Kim, that might not be so far off because as we we're talking, I just looked up you know, if Winnie the Pooh has is in public domain and just check your text of the picture I just sent you because he is in fact in public domain. Oh and apparently somebody made a horror film about Winnie the Pooh, and this picture is frightening. It's awful. It is horrible. The picture is, like, of a grown man wearing a Winnie the Pooh mask, and the mask looks like Shrek meets Michael Myers, kind of combined together, and it's very unnerving. So 
Who knows? Steamboat Willie could have the same effect pretty soon. Yikes, that's a bummer. If so. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oof. Yikes. All right. Well, that was the news for everybody. I hope and there's way more news that has also come out. But that's the, the news. That to, nope, that's it. That's it. <laughs> there's no other news except for Disney news. <laughs> but no, there, there'll be more. And I'm sure when Adam returns, I'm sure there'll be more news, especially about merchandise. He always loves the news about merchandise. That I skip right over. I can't wait yeah, to hear I'm all listening. of Adam's thoughts on the popcorn buckets. <laughs> Lovingly. Lovingly. Maybe that's a poll we should do on the um, Instagram is how many popcorn buckets did Adam purchase on his nine-day trip to Disney World? (laughs) I'm going to lock in at least three. I think he will have bought three. I'm going to include sippers, popcorn buckets and sippers in the Mm. same mix, and I think he'll he'll walk away with three. A sipper is not like a classic coffee cup or water bottle or anything right no this is like way more obnoxious than that so picture those giant popcorn buckets and they'll have a slightly smaller version with another tie-in character that will be for a soda or a water that you would put in there okay i think you're going too low i'm gonna say five okay i think three if you're including sippers i think three is too low okay that's true lovingly with respect all right they're locked in (laughs) Okay, folks. Well, the time has come for our vault. We have not done a vault in a long time. And I had a lot of fun. No, you haven't. Yeah, I had a lot of fun researching this one. And knowing that I had Kim as my co-host, fan favorite Kim Moffat as my co-host, I decided to do... I didn't get that tattoo for nothing. Uh-huh. I decided <laughs> to do a, a history of an attraction slash section of a park. Should be a tip. That we've never done before, and one that I think Adam has very little interest in me sharing this history, but one that I think Kim would have great interest in me sharing. So, Kim, do you have any guesses as to what we're going to talk about? Is it the American Pavilion at Disney World? Kimberly Moffat. Oh, my gosh. You nailed it on the first try. Of course it is. Yeah, we're going to talk about the American Adventure Show and the American Pavilion at Epcot. I'm excited. That's awesome. Can we see some fireworks from your thumbs? Let's see. No, your FaceTime doesn't want to work that same way. No, it sure doesn't. Sorry. But know that there are fireworks going off in our hearts right now as we're about to share this. I gotta be honest, it was hard to find some of the history. This is not the, like, most beloved attraction, like, you know, Space Mountain or, you know, It's a Small World, where you can find a ton of information. I had to do a little digging. Um, I read a few books, and I also watched a couple of history videos on YouTube about the attraction. The one that I got the most information from was made by a man named Tyler Campbell, and it's called InnoVision on YouTube. So I do recommend it. It's quite long, but I really did learn a lot from that one. So let me get into a little bit of the story. And before we get into the American Adventure show and the pavilion, I think You know this, Kim. I'm sure any listener who's found our podcast and loves Disney probably also all knows this. But to give you the briefest of recaps about Epcot's conception, before Walt Disney's death in 1966, Walt had the vision of creating the Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow nicknamed Epcot. And his grand plan was to create this section of land that would be like urban planned community living. People could buy homes and properties in this very innovative section of community living. I forgot that. Yeah, I know, right? He had like the kind of the wheel and the spokes going out for it be different people's properties. And he wanted to be very futuristic, but like a mid-century modern futuristic, I Ooh. think. So that was kind of his plan. But we also know that of anything, Walt, besides being a dreamer, was such a patriot. He loved America. He loved he kind of his idealistic style of America. That's why Main Street looks like his hometown in Marceline, Missouri. It's why we have a Liberty Square in Disney World. It's why we have so much kind of Americana infused with the Disney brand. And in 1964, he ended up creating, you know, several different attractions for the World's Fair, but one of which was the Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, which we told that whole history about a year ago. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> so Walt always has loved America, and with his Epcot theme, he always wanted to create a permanent World's Fair. So he wanted this World's Fair to celebrate human achievement, innovations, and culture. Now, when we look at what Epcot is today, obviously the community living part didn't stick, but we do still have our permanent World's Fair in the World Showcase, which is the back half of Epcot. And the front half still celebrates kind of the, its future world. So it celebrates kind of that innovative sense of America and of different cool technology. So it, it kind of came to fruition, I guess, is where I'm getting at. Yeah. So with the original concept of Epcot, the American Pavilion was to be placed in the very front of World Showcase. So imagine where the Epcot ball is located. Behind that, you'll see the big lagoon that features the World Showcase pavilions. And where it stands right now is America Pavilion, the host pavilion, is in the very back opposite of the Epcot Spaceship Earth ball. Mm -hmm. But before, they wanted to put it right in the very front. So it would be the first thing that you saw. The original concept was that it was going to look kind of like something out of Tomorrowland, where it was going to be a gigantic circular building that would be propped up on kind of platform stilts so people could walk underneath it and take escalators up inside it and then essentially experience what is kind of what, remember innoventions that used to exist over at Disneyland? Yeah. They kind of wanted that. They wanted to show all this like brand new cutting edge technology stemming from America inside this circular white raised platformed building and then in the center i hate it so far i hate this and in the center (laughs) i know i know well guess what it didn't happen Um, they wanted to have a big show in the center a big show-stopping you know attraction for people to go and visit so that's how they had imagined the American Pavilion for the first three years of Epcot's World Showcase conception. So as they're designing everything, they're designing all these different lands. That is what the American Pavilion was to look like. And all of the Imagineers started pitching out ideas as to what that big show was going to be. Imagineer Mark Davis pitched a big musical comedy show about America's history through folktales. So it's going to be like Paul Bunyan and and Johnny Appleseed. Like That's classic Mark. <laughs> classic Mark Davis. Um, and guess what? They all hated it because Mark Davis was the inspiration behind America Sings, which was kind of the same concept, but with the farm animals out at Disneyland and it just totally tanked. Mm -hmm. So they were like, no, Mark Davis, we don't want another version of this, but with Paul Bunyan. (laughs) So they decided to come up with something that felt a little bit more accurate to American history. And Imagineers ended up hiring consultants to help write scripts about American history. And they even hired author Ray Bradbury, who had already been a consultant on Spaceship Earth, the Epcot ball ride. Yeah. But this time he ended up writing the original script for the American Adventure show. Wild. I know. Wow. However, Ray Bradbury was quite long-winded and the original (laughs) script ended up being, like, if they performed this with animatronics, it was going to be, like, a 60-minute long show. (laughs) So they kind of shelved it and they shelved, like, six other adaptations that he and a few other consultants worked on. And the Imagineers just said, like, okay, we'll worry about this later. We're just going to focus on making the rest of the park and we'll come (laughs) back to America towards the end. Sure. So it kind of sat there for three years and people were like, what do we do? We don't know. Ray Bradbury gave us a good script, but it's 18 years long. So we'll see. So then it was Randy Bright, who was an Imagineer, had worked on several other shows at Disneyland and at Disney World. They brought Randy in and said, why don't you work on writing the script? Why don't you look at all six of these scripts and see if you can kind of cobble something together or figure out how to make this all flow. So Randy also was in charge of running the entire pavilion. And he, we have him to thank for not having the giant futuristic America building. Good job, Randy. He took a look at it and immediately said, number one, if we're the host, we don't need to be showboating and putting ourselves at the very front. Let's put ourselves in the very back and be infused with the other countries so we show more of a union. And number two, I don't want us to look like this big 
fake futuristic thing because we know with Tomorrowland it becomes dated really quickly. Instead, let's go with something that feels more like East Coast, Southern style of building structure. And so he went with like more of a Georgian manor. He also was very clear that he did not want this to look like any of the Washington, D.C. monuments or buildings because he didn't want this to be represented as like a mini version of the parliament or something like that. So he made it look more like a kind of colonial building, which I think was the way to go. That's very smart because that was my first thought when you said it was supposed to be like a futuristic Everything that we've ever seen of the futuristic Disney stuff is always super outdated by the time you can actually see it. And it works at Tomorrowland and it works in the future section of Epcot. Sure. We don't need more of it. And with the World Showcase, knowing how like authentic they are with Italy, with Japan, with China, you want to feel like America fits right in with all of those other ones. So I'm glad they didn't go with that either. By this point... Randy was going back to the show. He realized, yes, we want to use animatronics to tell the story, but we still have six failed scripts and no host or narrator. So he said, first things first, I got to figure out who is telling us the story of America. And he decided he wanted it to be three voices. He wanted there to be a voice of each of the different centuries. So his first choice was Benjamin Franklin because, of you know, he was just kind of a classic example of an innovator. You bring in Benny Franks when you want to talk America. You do. So he was kind of to represent the founding of America's history. And then Mark Twain came in as the 19th century voice and also kind of his foil and can kind of be like, hey, hold on there, Benny Franks. Classic Marky T. But they went back and forth for somebody for the 20th century. And this is, keep in mind, this was built in like 1979 to 1982. So they didn't really know whose voice could be the best fit, but they narrowed it down on a classic person that we all think of for the 20th century, Will Rogers. (laughs) Sure. Of course. Classic, classic. (laughs) Classic Will Rogers. At the time, that makes sense. No, it actually didn't. So these guys in their 40s and 50s who were imagining no, the ride. at the time that they were saying it, oh. not the time. No, it still didn't. No? It still didn't. At the time, these 40 and 50-year-old men who were creating the ride knew who Will Rogers was. But these 18-year-old kids in a poli-sci class at, like, University of Central Florida had no clue who Will Rogers was. And they know this because they focus-tested it over at this college campus to say, Who here knows who Will Rogers is? And only five out of 50 students knew who Will Rogers was. So they said, okay, never mind. We're just going to keep it with the two. (laughs) Yes, that that makes complete sense. What I meant was these men at their age, it makes sense that they would be like, Will Rogers, we got to let's bring in. (laughs) That makes sense. Nobody's going to know who that is. The only reason I know who Will Rogers is is because my grandma loved him. Right. I don't even know. I, he was a television host. See, I don't even really know. He was a, he was a cowboy. He was a uh, TV cowboy. Pew, pew, pew. Radio. Radio. Radio TV yes. cowboy. Yes. Radio, I'm saying On a the, lot of words. Uh, the talkies. Was he TV or radio? Uh, radio. Radio. Radio cowboy. With um, Hi-Ho Silver, I believe. Okay. That sounds right. I don't know. See, so it's a very good move. <laughs> I definitely know who Mark Twain is and Benjamin Franklin. Benny Franks. Glad they didn't go with Will Rogers. But he does still make a cameo in the ride, or in the show, if you remember. He's doing his lasso in the 20th century section. Randy Bright also brought in a UCLA professor named Dr. Alan Yarnell as a consultant to help thread through the theme of dreamers and doers throughout American history for this show. Ray Bright and Dr. Yarnell insisted that they include voices of all Americans of overcoming adversity. They didn't want this to be a whitewashed version of American history. Mm -hmm. I'm going to play you a little clip of Randy Bright and Dr. Yarnell talking about the attraction. Yay! One of the concepts that we tried to stay with was the overcoming of adversity. Uh, that, That became a parameter, too. Uh, Another concept we tried to stay with was we didn't want to whitewash the American adventure. There were blemishes, like slavery, certain injustices. We felt we wanted to show those, demonstrate they were there, but at the same time, we didn't want to be heavy hitting. We realized these were people, again, not in for a history lesson, but on vacation. So I think what it says is that the American adventure 
is and probably will always be a struggle. We're going through a hell of a struggle right now in this country. And if you look at it, without that frame of reference that things have been tough in the past, stop crying about what's happening right now, then you realize that if you apply, apply yourself, you can move forward. That's the positive note that's there. So I just wanted to play that clip because I think that's really important and it really still sticks true here in now 2024. But when you do see that show, it's something that you and I have talked about before that they don't just whitewash it and make everything look shiny and happy. And I'm really appreciative to hear him say the words of America is not great now. We're having our struggles now. Think about how much struggle we've had from day one. And we wanted to make sure you saw all of that. Yeah, we did talk about that because when you go to Disney World and then go watch a show that is meant to be all about how great America is, I, who loves America very much, get a little nervous um, about what kind of show this is going to be and what are they going to talk about? What are they not going to acknowledge? What part of history are are they not going to acknowledge? And I, I was genuinely pleasantly surprised by the narrative of the show. You know, it's optimistic, but as honest as you can be for, like you said, people that are on vacation right now. Um, But I thought it was really, really respectfully and thoughtfully done. Yeah. I think they toe the line really well with recognizing like, hey, Mm -hmm. these are people that we have their attention for a small window of time. And they also really want to go ride test track in a few minutes. So like, you know, we're not going to be here and changing minds and perspectives of the American history, but we can still acknowledge a lot of what has occurred without making it kind of dumbed down or frivolous. So anyhow, I just want to share that little clip. And then you get to hear Dr. Yarnell was the first voice and Randy Bright was the second. But the hardest step was compressing 350 years into a 20-minute show, um, and they they ended up failing at it. They were told you had to do this in 20 minutes, and Randy could not. And so the show is still today 28 minutes long. So Not long enough for me. For all of you looking for a solid nap, that is the place to do it. It's 28 minutes. No, it's riveting. I would never, but I think our dear friend who loves her sweet cocktail, Sierra Jones, did in fact maybe take a little snooze during the show. She did. I almost passed out because it was the hot, hot heat and humidity of summer. And I had just run from a whole other country in search of a (laughs) a fade back that had been left. (laughs) Someone did that. I don't know who did it, but yeah, yeah, all the way in Italy. I had to go from America to Italy and I ran and I came back and was like I'm not well that humidity is no joke but the show is great I mean like we just talked about the story is great but then also the visuals are spectacular well let's get into that too because they also have a crazy story and you know that they're spectacular when you watch it because you can see how like it's all these moving pieces coming together for each scene and then they kind of flow back out for like 1982 when this attraction opened that is some real high technology we're talking about here and it still is today it's pretty much the same so imagineer rick rothschild was brought on to do the production show animatronics and the overall look Um, the american adventures cast is comprised of 36 individual animatronic figures they also were quite revolutionary at that time with the most advanced animatronics to date they could make a animatronic smoke a cigar, make another animatronic twirl a lasso. Will Rogers. <laughs> Will yeah. Rogers, yeah. yeah. I go to his beach sometimes out here in Santa Monica. <laughs> um, and they also can have Benjamin Franklin climb a flight of stairs with his cane. It's impressive. I know. They'd never done any of that kind of movement before everybody, like think Pirates of the Caribbean, everybody's stationary and you can see their maybe top half moving but nothing below or it's just below and nothing on the top half. So this was pretty big minus one individual, Mr. Lincoln, he could stand up. That was the most kind of revolutionary before that was Lincoln. Well, it's amazing when he stands. I know it really is. (laughs) I guess when they were making the Ben Franklin walking character, Rick Rothschild said that he broke hundreds of canes because he's holding Ben Franklin's holding a cane in that moment. And he kept the animatronic was just too powerful and just kept knocking it down and breaking it. So they went through hundreds of canes to do that. 
And there's a moment where you see Thomas Jefferson and he's seated and he's holding a pen and he's kind of moving his arms back and forth. His arms, Mm -hmm. which are quite heavy, Rick made them a little too low. And since he's sitting at a desk, he ended up flipping the desk like (laughs) Real Housewives style, like a couple of different times and just spilling all the contents everywhere. So they had to fix him too and make sure his arms were up a hair higher than normal. (laughs) Kind of love that. (laughs) I know. So all of these figures, all 36 of these individual figures are positioned on these extremely heavy wagons. They're each a thousand plus pounds, these wagons, and they're all underneath the theater and underneath the audience. So each of these wagons are on kind of like a gimbal and wheels. So they will, a computer will tell them when to move forward and get into place for their traction. And then they will be risen up into the scene and then dropped back down below. But these things are massively heavy it sounds like they were quite a slog to create but that is still to this day the same type of wagons that they're using to make this show operate and it's all like a bunch of puzzle pieces so if one of these wagons doesn't work the whole show can't work because it won't all slide into perfect place into its formation that's wild i know right There is also a 72-foot-wide projection screen that plays throughout the entire show. This, I think, is also – it was really revolutionary then. I think it still looks super cool Mm -hmm. um, where they had the projector behind showing so many of the images. And one thing that Rick Rothschild really took note of is that he wanted – the artistic medium of each of those eras to be represented when they're talking about that different era. So, you know, watercolor was popular when the pilgrims made it to Plymouth Rock. So in that section, that's all you're seeing is watercolor work. Later, when they have photography, you start to see that during the Civil War era and so forth. So I think that's kind of a cool way to show the progression. Yeah. And it adds great movement as well. Totally. And depth and dimension. So you're seeing the screen behind them and the animatronics in the front and the props kind of in the middle. So it's very cool. I can't say enough how genuinely awesome and cool this show is. Like you can call it cheesy, but it is pretty cool. I mean, it's, it is, listen, it is cheesy. Of course it is, but it's still really like impressively done. I know. I love it. I love it. Let's talk about our favorite, the War Family, with the uh, Cannonball Don't Pay No Mind song. Oh, my gosh. A Cannonball Don't Pay No Mind. It don't. It don't pay no mind. So, obviously, all of the pictures that you see in in the show are actual photos and, and actual depictions of those eras, except for the War Family photo sequence where you see the uh, Confederate and the Union brothers that are fighting against each other, but they're in a family photo. So that photo was taken on the back lot at the Disney Studios, and the two brothers are actually two Imagineers that just had really good handlebar mustaches at that time. Oh, nice. uh, so they got cast, and then the rest are just actors from that time. Cool for one of them. Significant bummer for the other Imagineer. Right? (laughs) Right? And then all the other pictures that you see of them at war and when they come back from the funeral, all of those pictures were taken at none other than Disneyland. They were taken at Tom Sawyer Island. Oh, my God. And the, like, section, you know, when you're your favorite, the canoes, when you go over to the canoe section. I love the canoes. So they just took actors over there and posed them. And took those pictures in that section. And then the funeral shot, when you see the coffin returning at the train station, that is the Disneyland Railroad train station depot at New Orleans Square. Just with a different cover over the New Orleans Square part. It says, like, Muller's Landing instead. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? This is blowing my mind. All Disneyland. I know. So a little bit of Disneyland. Miller's Landing, I think. Muller. I thought. I don't know. Miller? Muller? I don't know. I'll find it. The voice actors, there's a a million voice actors and they're all incredible. And if we had a million hours to do this podcast, I would sing all of their praises. But the one that I want to mention here is voice actor Dallas McKinnon, who was hired to be the voice of Benjamin Franklin, because he also, beyond being a prolific voice actor of his era, he is featured in two different attractions at Disney World and Disneyland. I'm curious to see if you have any guesses the voice of Ben Franklin, where else he might exist at Disney World? No, I can't even think. So the first one, and I don't, you would never get this. The first one <laughs> is Zeke, the bear from Country Bears, Country Bear Jamboree. 
That was going to be my guess, but I thought it would be too wild. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the other one, which is pretty, pretty notable, is he's the prospector from Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Big Thunder. So when you hear, I know, he's the prospector. That's cool. And he still is. So Benjamin Franklin is the prospector. Let's see. So it took six years for Imagineers in total from concept to show open and the American Pavilion and the American Adventure Show opened officially on October 1st, 1982, along with the rest of Epcot. The show was a hit. And two years after the opening, the song Two Brothers, the cannonball song, and Golden Dream, the ending song that we're talking oh. about, were added to Disneyland's Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, which is how we, you and I, know him so well. Very well. To end on a slightly sad note, Imagineer Randy Bright, who is really the brains behind this entire show, and it essentially it has it's had a few refurbishments over the years, but it's basically stayed exactly the same. It got digitized in 2018, but that's pretty much it. It is exactly how you saw it in 1982. Amazing. Uh, but Imagineer Randy Bright did pass away in 1990, only eight years after Epcot was opened. He was tragically hit and killed in a bicycle accident out oh here in Los Angeles. Gosh. He was only 51 years old. Oh. He began his career at Disneyland as a Jungle Cruise skipper. And he had worked on several other attractions. He was also the astronaut in Tomorrowland and would walk around in the astronaut suit Aww. when he was in his college years. Um, and he loved the company so much, he ended up applying for a job and became an Imagineer eventually and worked at WED Enterprises. And he eventually got to himself into this role as one of their top creatives, which is really impressive. Yeah. Um, a window on Main Street in both Disneyland and Disney World is dedicated to his honor. And in 2005, he was named a Disney. Disney legend. So there you have it. Um, the show has had over 130,000 performances since wow. 1982, and it's still going today. And we're going to see all of it. Multiple times. Every yeah. single day that we're at Disney World, we're going to watch it, right? Don't you dare threaten me with the best time of my life. <laughs> Guys, when I took Kim on this, and I I'd set it up, I knew that Sierra was going to fall asleep, and I knew Kim was mm-hmm. going to love it. But what you don't know is the audience, which was a whopping like twelve other people in a huge theater. I think it, in my memory, it was like pretty packed. Oh, maybe not. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. But all I do remember is that you, the only person, stood up and gave a standing ovation to the animatronics. Yeah, and um, I cried. Pretty pretty great. You did cry. Yeah. You did cry. I don't know yeah. if you were crying from heat exhaustion from the run or from just your love for America. At first, it was certainly from heat exhaustion. Um, but uh, I, I, th- I found it to be <laughs> incredibly moving. And also just like the message at the end and uh, the, the timing of it. Yeah. Yeah. It got me. It's good. It is good. <laughs> so, yeah. So there you have it. That's the vault on the American Adventure and the American Pavilion. I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> well, Kim, thank you for coming back on the podcast. I always appreciate you. I always appreciate your thousands of adoring fans who also sit patiently just watching you do the podcast and not actually listening to the audio live. That's very kind of them. They are patient. They are kind and they are not going to be able to buy merch. So I am still, I am very nervous. <laughs> I am very nervous because I'm also seeing some people now that I, I hope they can't read lips. I'm seeing some people with merch they made themselves. Okay. Which is, is great, but obviously. Is it copywritten? Sure is. So th- I'm going to have to sue them too. So like, you're not going to get merch. <laughs> oh, I am going to no. sue you. Uh, uh, yeah. So someone will be taking down names. <laughs> and she can because you know her merch is under 94 years old or 95 years old so yeah she's fine just I barely think, i hope <laughs> <laughs> well with that folks thank you so much for listening happy new year i'm excited for 2024 kim tell us what is on the docket for you in 2024 oh so much <laughs> plug your pods plug all your podcasts that you're doing she's doing 80 of them 
80 podcasts. I'm going to give them to you in alphabetical <laughs> order. Um, if you're interested in hearing about the news, <laughs> um, it is it is political. But if you're interested in hearing about that, I do a daily news show called Here's What's Happening that Dana has very generously complimented here. I, it's not a compliment. I just really like it. Like, I, I like it. Yes, you are one of my best friends. There, yes. I said it. Got it. Got it. Got it. It's a, like, actually really good, actually really good podcast. No, it's, <laughs> it's really solid. Shockingly, it's very good. And it's always between, like, six and ten minutes long. It's very digestible. Um, yeah. It helps me get my dose of the news without having to, like, doom scroll through the news sites and learn really super sad things and i get to hear it from my best friend kim so yay i highly recommend it thank you i'm also i just today so by the time people hear this it'll be just a couple days out from the um first episode of a new podcast that i have called kim off is a fan which will be people that i am friends with uh people that i've never met before people i'm just a fan of interviewing them and if you hear the news, tell them what kind of people you're talking about. First guest is going to be TV's Andrea Barber. Kimmy Gibbler from Full House. Thank you. Yes, I forgot to say that part. Very important. <laughs> Kimmy Gibbler from Full and Fuller House. We talk about her parents. We talk about her parenting. So some of it's very serious. Some of it's very silly. I ask her what her core cruxes are. Disneyland comes up in conversation. Margaritas come up in conversation. <laughs> the next guest following that is Marla Sokoloff, who played Gia on Fuller House, Full House and Fuller House. That's just coincidence. There are other people besides Full and Fuller cast members. <laughs> Yes. Um, but I think we've let the cat out of the bag that you used to work on Fuller House when yeah. it was on air. So yeah, people so know that you know these folks, I'm sure. Some of them will be forced, whether they like it or not, to be on the show. But yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about the show. Awesome. And then if you are interested in uh, saving our democracy, you can go to RaisingVoters.org and make sure that you are registered to vote and take the pledge to be a voter in our uh, upcoming year of elections. Nonpartisan. Yeah, because when Kim is not podcast hosting, she also is running a nonprofit organization to get people to register to vote and help with voter awareness. So that is just also super cool and very ambitious, which is also ties into why you probably love the American Adventure show so much. We are a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Democracy is not settled yet, but <laughs> this is certainly the year that we decide if we get to keep one. So that's cool. Okay. <laughs> Yay. All right, folks. Well, with that, thank you again. Thank you so much, Kim, for being on the podcast. And we will all see you again very soon. Thanks for having me. Yay. All right. Bye. Bye.